Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about addiction and drugs and dumb shit and recovery and Chris. It's all about Chris. Yeah. You've been getting a lot of praise recently. That's because I was, like, begging for it. <laughs> yeah, but people have been bashing me. Even Scott, dude. I think Scott did. I don't know why he's doing that. I always thought Scott was Camp Chris, and he turned his back on me. It's Camp Dave now. I think it's called Camp David. Camp David? Yeah. It's a place where presidents go, Camp David. Oh, yeah, in Texas? <laughs> I think it's in Maine. <laughs> Is it in Texas? I don't know. I just remember Bush used to go to Texas a lot. I know nothing. I know less than nothing about politics. Oh, I wish we could play that game that I didn't invent. The game, which is, do you know less than Chris? When you play the game of Thrones, you win or die. All right, Chris. I'm going to say a few names. Well, explain what the game is first. Okay. I'm going to make it, I'm making it up as we go. But, but explain, you, you have a premise, which is you told me on the phone what you wanted to do. The premise was... But I thought we were going to do this with a caller. We're, we're going to do it just us now. All right. Um, the premise is, I'm going to say a name. And you're going to tell me what they were famous for. Okay, so for the Dopey Nation that's tuning in for the first time or recently, I am popular culture, uh, politicians, art. You're basic information <laughs> deficient. Your wheelhouse. Well, it's, no, it's funny you say that because um, on the Wexler adult intelligence skills, your IQ testing, there's a verbal comprehension section, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of that is information. There's similarities, information, and um, I forget what the other one is. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. And vocabulary. Information is like specific questions, and I actually do really well in it, but the last time I took it, right, to get extended time for the GREs, the uh, administrator... She told me that she had never – they asked who was the president during the Civil War, and I got that question wrong, right? Once you get three wrong, you fail, and the question the, – the test stops. And most of the, the subtests are built to go to failure. They get increasingly hard until, like, they stop. I made it to the end of the test, right? But that was, like, one of the early questions that was easier, you know, who's the president during the Civil War. So I got that wrong. And one of the later questions was how long does it take for light, for a ray of sunshine to reach the earth from the sun? And I got that right. And she's like, I've been doing this test for 20 years. And she's like, I've never had somebody get that question right and one of the earlier questions wrong. And I would just, it's basic shit. I didn't know. I think my game is going to, it's not going to, not going to be a, it's not going to fly. But. Well, because you're doing it right now, you need to come up with better. Do you know less than Chris? I'm going to mention somebody and you're going to tell me what they're famous for. We're going to start with a very easy one. Orville. Orville Redenbacher. Popcorn. Correct. Herbert Hoover. You played the Orville Rock uh, Redenbacher commercial. No, that was Pepperidge Farm. Oh, that's Pepperidge Farm. Herbert Hoover. Uh, it's, uh, director of the CIA, cross-dresser. No. Right? No, that's that's James... That's, Edgar Hoover. Yeah, no, Herbert Hoover. Uh, invented the vacuum. No. Uh, Are you joking? He's president. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um... This game sucks. <laughs> George Harrison. Uh, Beatles. Uh, George Harrison was the spiritual one in the Beatles, too. What, right? What, right? I mean, they were all technically yeah, spiritual. Yeah, but he was, like, legit spiritual. They what were, instrument they did George spiritual. Harrison play? Guitar. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, let me think. Uh, George Harrison ran with the spiritual. Because I remember all the Beatles got into spiritual shit, but George Harrison, like, legit did it. He made it part of his life. The other ones were just, like, kind of fucking around with it for a bit. 
George Harrison was so spiritual, he he had the Hare Krishnas move into his mansion mm-hmm. in England, and then he recorded a record for them. He lived amongst the Hare Krishnas in his mansion. Hare. Do you ever hang out in the Union Square with them? They've been at the same dudes, like the Hare Krishna dudes. Like, ten years ago, I remember the same dudes doing the Hare Krishna thing. This game is too... It sucks because it's either going to be way too easy, like Orville Redenbach or Herbert Hoover. <coughs> or uh, I'm just not going to get it. Or you're just not going to get it. So let's do something else. All right, I got nothing else. Uh, tell me about the disgusting thing. Stay strong, Stay Dopey strong Nation. Doodles. Um... No, I don't want to tell you about the disgusting thing. It's so gross. Tell me it, dude. Okay. <laughs> I'm a disgusting person. Okay, so anyways, for the Dopey Nation, Dave takes notes, and one of his notes is, disgusting thing for the show. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, I'll tell you on the show. All right. I ride the Long Island Railroad a good, you know, four hours a day. Are you know, that much? Basically. Three hours a day, three and a half hours a day. Between three and four hours a day. And... I'm a disgusting person. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I do disgusting stuff all the time. I just do. I, 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 it's like before I was an addict. You I choose on paper towels. And- yeah, I just do nasty shit. Yeah. I, I, before I was an addict, I was really gross. And now clean. You're still gross. I'm still gross. And I have, I, I have allergies. I don't know. I have these sneezing fits. And I, t- I think I told the Dopey Nation that I would carry a sock. In my bag, just in case, I started sneezing and I would blow my nose into like the sock. Handkerchief? But it was a sock. That's disgusting. But that's not even the disgusting that's thing. That's really gross. This morning, I'm on the train watching Game of Thrones, and I cough up a disgusting loogie. Like this dis- smokes and doesn't eat right. It's, it's bad. Anyway, so I cough up a disgusting loogie, and I don't know what to do because I'm. I'm sitting there in my seat on the Long Island Railroad. I have my laptop open and my phone out, and I'm like, uh, and it's in my mouth. It's just disgusting. Uh, you spit it on the train, didn't you? No, I didn't spit it on the train. I, I was, and, I, and I didn't have my sock, my sneezing sock. <laughs> so I, I, I got up and I left, I left all my stuff there and I went to the bathroom. Yeah. But... There was somebody in the bathroom. Yeah. And this shit was in my mouth. And that's really... I wasn't going to swallow it. (laughs) This is disgusting, but keep going. So then I go back to the chair. And I remember I had an envelope um, from work... Like, uh, that has my, like, pay information that they give me every week. (laughs) And it's sealed with one of those perforated seals on the edge. So I I rip open the edge of the envelope and I open it up. And (laughs) I spit the loogie into my work envelope. It was a direct deposit, so you didn't need the Yeah, yeah. That's disgusting. And then did you save the envelope? I have it right here. (laughs) That's disgusting, though. It's not true. It doesn't really have it right here. I just made up that whole story. It's not true. I'm I'm not disgusting like that. 100% 100% true. I'm not that Have disgusting. You cut your, ta- your toenail, that one from like a year ago. What do you think? Let me see. You look good. It's still pretty nasty. How dare you? It's what, you're so space. fucking perfect? You see my nails. My cuticles, they're fucking great, dude. You know, I haven't used scissors on my nails Ugh. or nail clippers 10 years Because you're maybe. so fucking perfect, right? I'm perfect. What do you do if you cough up some mucus in the train? I spit it on the street. On the train. I don't ride the train. You're in a hermetically sealed I'm not car. Some common man that rides. The train. <laughs> what would you do? Uh, You'd swallow it. I know you. 
You'd no, fucking swallow. Yes, you would. I, I totally wouldn't swallow. You would swallow. You don't know. I'm actually kind of a germaphobe. You know that, right? So what and would you I'm do? super neat. And my car is a bit gross, but like I have to make my bed every Dude, day. Dude, Chris's car is so gross. It's not gross. It's just bottles. There's just a thousand bottles. Literally. It's like it's like a... Remember when we went to Dave's yeah, funeral? Yeah. Everybody was calling seats to my car. And, and it was Dave, me. Dave's like... No bottles. <laughs> There's literally one side of my car has just 50 bottles of it. Um, what would you do if that happened? What would you do with it? With the loogie? Yeah. I would spit it somewhere. Where? On I, the floor of the, the train? bathroom or I'd open you the door. You would stand there with the shit in your mouth? I, I would... No, I, I wouldn't mind splitting on the floor of the train, to be honest. I'd probably like look at TV and I was looking and I'd just spit on the train. I mean, it's less polite... I, I liked opening the envelope. <laughs> right, let's play Leah's voicemail. Okay, which is a little bit of, a little bit of dopey in this. Okay, this is from um, Leah from. Can, should I just say Leah? Not say where she's from. She's from down south. Is she? Yeah, you didn't know that. I thought she was from Chicago. For some no, reason. Southern girl. Chicago's like kind of south. Um, she thinks she Chicago's might. Chicago's not south at all. It's <laughs> Midwest. Midwest. She thinks she kind of went to Chicago's one of these weird places where it's like a little teeny insy like amount of like of um, East Coast vibes, Midwest, some Southern. I feel like there's like a blend. Are you are you defining Chicago right now? When's the last time you spent time there? It's been a while. <laughs> I had a, cre- a great great dope wait. story from Chicago actually. Well, tell it after this. It's actually not that good. Okay, so this is from Leah. Leah's been listening since the beginning. She might have actually heard the Lost Tapes. I think she references it in this. Dave hasn't heard this um, message yet. I listened to it right when we got it. Uh, Leah's super smart. There's some dopey in it, and there's some recovery. It's awesome. Leah's claim to fame, though, is that in the first ten episodes, we wound up reading her we email. She talks about and it. And then she wrote... She talks about okay, it. Okay. She talks about it. All right. You guys ready? You can't say anything. Dave and Chris, Dopey Nation, what's up? This is Leah down in Georgia. Been a faithful listener to your guys' podcast since pretty much the beginning. I definitely missed the Lost Tapes, uh, which sucks, but what are you going to do? I'm also the idiot that (laughs) missed you guys reading my email and encouraged you to read it again, forever making me the black sheep of the Dopey Nation. Um, But I was... Considering making a voice recording for you guys and sending it off and um, and hadn't until I heard the um, the chick from New Zealand who, who made her voice recording in her time of struggle and, and now getting to the point where she's able to get sober and thought to myself, you know, there's not a lot of women who call in on the show. I know there's more of us emailing. Um, but there's a lot of dudes that are leaving voicemails but not a lot of not a lot of the dopey nation that are women, it seems like. So between that and um, just had this funny occurrence where I was meeting with a couple of clients who were celebrating their purchase of their new home, and um, they had purchased this bottle of champagne, expensive, fancy champagne, that they wanted me to partake in as well, and of course had to turn it down. Between having just listened to um, the episode with the New Zealander and then having that happen, I thought that that was a little too coincidental to not not leave you guys a voicemail. You know, I've been listening since the beginning and it has been, it is absolutely one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. I'm always on the road as a real estate agent. I'm constantly in the car listening to podcasts and there's been several that I've listened to from the start um, that have, I've lost interest in, you know, I've listened from whoever it is that's making the podcast from their first episodes and 
it, they've just lost, they've just lost my interest. A lot of them tend to get really self-conscious and, um, and the, the initial spark that draws me to the show and to their personalities dies and just kudos for you guys for keeping it real and keeping it dopey. You know, I love that you are who you are and, um, it hasn't gotten, hasn't gotten self-conscious and weird. Uh, so keep that up for sure. Um, as far as a dopey story, you know, like the lady from New Zealand said, not my stories aren't funny. I got sober when I was 18. Um, I was a, an IV heroin addict, but things started. The only dopey story I have really is just how things really got started with using IV. I was, uh, um, when I was like 15, I started working at this veterinary clinic because I needed to, uh, I had bounced my debit account several times trying to by drugs at the time I was really heavily into cocaine and um yeah so I was I had no funds and so my parents told me it was time to get a job I come from a more privileged family like Chris and so it was kind of the two options were working at my mom's pharmacy or this veterinary hospital that I wanted to work at um and in retrospect it's kind of funny that the two places that I chose to apply myself were two places that have a lot of drugs. <laughs> and um, it turned out that I couldn't work at the pharmacy because they required a drug test. And so I um, started working at this vet clinic. And I'm from a tiny town, so it was a tiny vet clinic. And um, I was a registered vet tech and was in charge of the inventory of of everything from gauze to ketamine, and um, which is a, an awesome thing uh, until it wasn't. The way that I started using um, IV drugs was for each surgery. When a when a vet preps an animal for surgery, you know they go ahead and they put a catheter in the animal so they can administer the pre-op meds. And um, after those those drugs are administered, because they're through a catheter, there's no blood pulled into the rig, and the whole syringe is tossed into the sharps container. There's a point to the story. Just bear with me. So because we were in this weird podunk little veterinary hospital in this podunk town, uh, for some reason we had then had to go into the sharps container and actually physically separate the sharp, the needle, or the, the scalpel, if there were scalpels in there, from the rigs and from whatever else got tossed in there. Um, and since I was one of two vet techs there, I had pretty much the back to myself and would oftentimes be, when I separated out the sharps was able to then steal, I guess, the syringes that still had a very, very, very small amount of whatever substance was left in them. Um, and I was able to take note of what the, the veterinarian was injecting. And so I was like, okay, so the pre-op meds are ketamine and some buprenorphine and, you know, this, that, and the other, and was able to match the the drugs, you know, ketamine, I don't know if you're aware, has a very distinct yellow color, and then the morphine is a more clear color. And so you're able to match the colors of what was left with the syringes fairly well. Uh, and I would take them home and accumulate enough to where I could actually pull up a hit and and just sit in my bedroom at home and experiment with what I was able to take home from the vet's office. And then once I kind of figured out what was what and what I enjoyed, um, I went straight for the vials and... The way that I would uh, get away with it, since I was in charge of inventory, you know, you couldn't make it. I couldn't just constantly be putting morphine and ketamine on the on the list to order more because that would look sketchy. So, eventually, I figured out that I would um, I would pull the the drug out of the vial 
and then just put just saline solution back in. Um, and when I think back on this now, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that brings me the most shame about my addiction because I am a huge animal lover. I've got three cats, a dog, a horse, you know, would have a small farm if my husband would let me. And to think that, you know, these animals would come out of their operations and not have the pain management, uh, meds that they needed is a terrible fucking thing. And I would sit in there and listen to the animals howl and cry and watch my, my boss, my veterinarian be confused as to why the post-op meds weren't working. Um, so that really sketched me out. And then eventually, you know, it was easier, less stressful just to move on to, and, and get heroin. Uh, so that's kind of where everything got left. Luckily for me, my dad got sober five years before I did. And since I was still a teenager living under his roof, uh, once I switched to, to heroin and ended up stealing a fuckload of stuff from them, money, personal goods, just the whole nine yards, uh, he, he pretty quickly caught on to what was going on and shipped me down to Georgia for treatment. Um, and I think that the Church and Other Drugs guy mentioned the treatment center that I went to, but I'll keep that under wraps. Um, Went to a long-term treatment facility, or it was a 28-day program, and then was transferred to a long-term program in town. Uh, this really, really crazily strict women's residence facility where you're taken in a nasty-ass van to two meetings a day. Um, a very structured place. You don't talk to men. You don't touch other, you know, you can't, like, hold their hands at meetings when you say the closing prayer. You, It was really kind of a weird fucking place. Uh, <laughs> probably the... I spent a year there and then probably spent the next year of my life trying to adapt to real life, um, having been a junkie and a drug addict for since I was like 12 to 18, and then 18 to 19 being totally cloistered away in a weird facility. Um, the next year was pretty weird, too. But, you know, one thing that I think about a lot of times when I listen to your show and I listen to the people who call in is just how lucky, I don't know if it's luck or what, um, that 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 stuck with me i've i went to one treatment facility when i was 18 and and it's kept you know and i don't doubt that a lot of that does have to do with them throwing us into 12-step work and being shipped to you know to those two meetings a day and um the first four or five years of my sobriety i was really heavily involved with with 12-step programs and you know holding service positions and um going to meetings super regularly and going to assembly and all that. And I really have fallen out of that, um, but, and not turned off by it necessarily, but it's just weird down here in the South. It's very, very Jesus-y and very um, God-centric and my way or the highway. And one of the things I love about your guys' show is that even when you're doing the 12-step thing and you're talking about the big book and you're talking about meetings, it's done in such an inclusive way and, and, um, it's appreciated. Um, so, you know, it would be super cool one day. I know it would be a huge risk, especially for you guys as the face of the, of the dopey organization, if you will, but it would be so cool to have like a dopey assembly where, where the dopey nation got together and had the chance to hang out and meet one another. Although maybe, maybe some of us are too crazy for that. Who knows? But, um, you know, and I know that you guys have your anonymity to think about. Although, Chris, you got to be more careful about getting Dave's place of business bleeped back out of the episodes because uh, there's been a couple of slip-ups there if he's trying to maintain his anonymity. But anyway, this is just kind of rambly. Um, just after having listened to that one episode, having that hilarious champagne thing pop up, um, and then just some general 
self-reflection. Just felt the need to make the recording. Uh, play it, don't play it. Doesn't really bother me. Uh, but regardless, Dopey Nation, stay strong. And toodles. Toodles. Leah, that was awesome. Really, She's really so great. fucking smart, right? Really well-spoken. She's like the female like version of you. The face of... <laughs> Why? She's like in the vet No, clinic. she's legit, though. What? I'm saying she's like the legit version of me. Dude, if you ever found yourself in a veterinarian clinic's office, you would have done exactly oh the same God, thing. Oh, my God. That's brilliant what she did. It's yeah. totally It would have been your move. It's so sneaky and, like, perfect. And But it is hurting the animals. <laughs> I mean, that's fucked yeah, up. But you don't care about anything besides yourself. Oh, we're going there. Look oh, look, that. I hurt you. I was just joking. <laughs> I was just joking. Look at that. You care about animals? I don't even care about myself. <laughs> Do you care about animals? I'm the piece of shit that the world revolves around. Why, are you going to double... The egomaniac of the inferiority complex. Likes. Likes? You're the piece of shit that the... I'm the piece of shit that the world revolves around. What was the second piece? Oh, he just texted us. Um, what does he say? Uh... To say, give me a call whenever. Said we are mid show. All right, we have a guest calling in. Um, Dopey Nation. How do you say his name? Well, let's wait to see if he calls. Yeah. In. Um, so continue. The best thing is um, her call to action for the Dopey uh, get together. Yeah. Dopey Nation Live. Dopey Podcast Live. I would love that too, yeah. um, and I think it is a risky venture. I, I think honestly, I don't think a lot he's of calling, he's calling. He's calling. Holy shit! All right. Hello. Hey, what's up, buddy? It's Lilo. Hey, Lilo, Lilo Brancato. How are you? I'm well, and yourself? Good. Uh, so this is uh, I'm Chris, um, who you've been communicating with on, and then this is uh, Dave over here, my co-host. Hey, those fellas, how's everything? All right. We're good. We're huge fans. Uh, can. Can I just introduce who you are to the, the thing? Because we didn't know you were sure, going to call. Sure, Absolutely. This is Lilo Brancato Jr., most famous for his amazing portrayal of Cologino in A Bronx Tale and also played Matthew Bevilacqua in some of my favorite Sopranos episodes. You were in a couple other movies, but uh, I don't know them as well. And, um, and you're in recovery. Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. You want to know something funny? Um, you, Dave and I met at uh, Mountainside, and I think um, I heard, I still see, I've been seeing the same guy uh, that was my counselor there for like six years. He's a real kind of hard-ass dude uh, who was really helpful in my recovery. But I told him, you know, that you might call into the show, and I think you had him at Mountainside or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that whole time was fun. I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to recovery, you know, to recover at that point in my life. I mean, I, you know, when I went to Mountainside back in 2001, I was court mandated to do so. I just wasn't, you know, just wasn't ready. And, uh, you know, you know, a few years and maybe three, four years, you know, after that, um, I got into you know, a lot of trouble as a result of uh, my addiction. So, you know, I guess I had to, uh, you know, learn the hard way. But I'm proud to say I'm uh, sober now, a little over 10 years. So you know, thank God for that. Awesome, that is awesome. So you did your you did your bid. You stayed clean through the entire bid. Yes. Well, you know, I was getting high while I was in there for the first year. Um, then I overdosed in my cell on November twelfth, two thousand six, and you know, I still continue to use. 
And then on November 18th, 2006, something just clicked in my head that, you know what? I mean, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. And that was the last time I got high, November 18th, 2006. Awesome. What did you, did you have the obsession and the compulsion to use and how'd you treat that? How do you stay sober today? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, most importantly, you know, I don't know why I didn't see it initially, but another human being lost their life because of my addiction and uh you know i just just as time went on and then the overdose and then you know family members coming to visit me and expressing how disappointed they were it uh you know kind of made me open my eyes which they should have you know been open before that but they weren't and i guess it happened when it was meant to happen can i i have a stupid question were, were you sure. were you using uh, when you made a Bronx Tale, or has it not started yet? No, no. I mean, back then is like when I first. Well, you know, I started smoking a little pot and stuff like that, but nothing heavy at that point. Maybe a little liquor, but nothing heavy. Was there? Did you see the parallel between like the part? Like Cologino had everything come to him in this amazing way. Like things just came to him, and he kind of was untouchable. Did you kind of feel like that? Like that you were, you could just do whatever you wanted in the beginning? Yeah, well, you, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not even because I was an actor or, you know, I was in the movie. It just, be, you know, all of that came with being young. I think, you know, right. when we're young, we're invincible. I mean, you know, you, you get hurt, you're better the next day. And, you know, as you get older, that doesn't happen. Sometimes you don't get better and you just have to deal with it. And, you know, as you get older, you see more and more people dying and, you know, it's just reality. It's just part of life. But when you're younger, you don't see all of that yet. You know, this is where the lack of experience comes in. And, you know, you don't have the foresight to know that this stuff is going to happen. So you're like, you know, it's not going to happen to me. It's going to happen to everyone else. But, you know, as time goes on, you start seeing, you know, things happening to you and realizing that you're not invincible or, you know, indestructible. Right. It's a maturity thing. Absolutely. I got Absolutely. you. But but you know, can I tell you something funny? I work I work in a restaurant with tons of Spanish guys, like Dominican kids, and these guys love you so much. <laughs> it, it, they 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 just say Cologino. They just they like that character meant so much to these kids in the street. Do do you find that to be uh, where you go around and and these like kids from the street, kids from the projects, just are drawn to you? Oh, yeah, I mean, that happens. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized that that influence that I do have needs to be used the right way. You know, I believe like a lot of these uh, very influential and, uh, you know, relevant people today, um, I think they misuse their their influence. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have, you have rappers out there talking about selling drugs and how glamorous it is and wearing jeans and, you know, all of this other stuff. But what they don't realize or they do realize and really don't care is that there are other people on the other side of those drugs that are being sold. Some mom, you know, in her house crying because her son's been out for three days getting high. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, you know, that's the message that they need to send. I'm not just targeting rappers. I mean, I'm just saying in general. I mean, it happens in movies, it happens everywhere, and I just think people need to be a little more, a little more cautious, you know, a little more, a little more thoughtful in just what they put out there, because, you know, you got these these young kids that do look up to them and need to be influenced the right way, so they can make better and more well-informed decisions. 
in life. Of course. Uh, I kind of want to pick your brain for a second. So I don't know if you're familiar with the premise of our show. And Dave and I have pretty significant using histories like yourself. We had some really serious consequences. And we kind of got together and said there's a million recovery-centric shows. We wanted to make something that kind of appealed to people who were actively using as well, who wouldn't listen to the traditional sort of 12-step format show. So what we do is it's a drug-a-log, it's war stories, and then we add some perspective. So we kind of worry, we're like, are we doing the right thing? Are we not? We have people email us and say, you know, they listen to us on the way as they go cop. But like at the same time, it's kind of like giving them some perspective and saying maybe they want to stop. So granted what you just said, what do you think about sort of what we're trying to do with our kind of uh, weird sort of uh, approach to like, you know, tackling the recovery issue and, and trying to target people who might be active? Well, I think, I mean, you know, listen, I mean, it's definitely one thing and it's very important to, you know, help people never get to that point. Right. But, you know, the, the, the reality is that there's, you know, many people using and I think it's a great idea and I think it's going it's to prove to be really effective. Yeah. So we know that you don't have much time right now. Yeah, um, I'm actually away in, in, uh, in Jersey right now on uh, business and that's why. Um, I, I'm sorry, you know, believe me, I'm very passionate about all this. I try to help as many people as possible. No, and, we love... Uh, you know, just sharing my, you know, just sharing my experience. We love um, your positive message, but could you say that in the future you'll come on and, and get down and dirty for a bit with us? Absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah <laughs> I give you my word. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, you know, like if I was home right now and I didn't have to go where, where I have to go, I would have, you know, sat there and you know, we could have chatted for the whole half hour. And you have my word. When, when, can, when can we do this again? I, like in three weeks. Okay, please let me know. You have my number. And, uh, you know, and thank you. Thank you guys for this uh, opportunity. I appreciate it. All right? Yeah, thank you, Lilo. We, we really love you. Thanks, dude. Thank and you guys. Likewise. God bless, guys. Stay strong. All God right. Bless. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He says stay strong. Dopey Nation. <laughs> stay strong, Dopey very Nation. very articulate and well-spoken. Yeah. I watched, an interview with him. Well, I, watched an interview. I watched an interview with him when he first got out of prison, and he didn't he didn't come off as like as well spoken and stuff. I mean, he's whatever he's doing is working. Like the lights on upstairs. Oh my god! What you're just so my funny. stupid question. What are you laughing at? I don't I don't want to say. No, say it's it. just because you were. I don't want to say. Okay, all right. You don't want me to say. But do you agree with what I just said? Yeah, he sounded great, and yeah. and but he sounds like like. It's just that character, like who he's been in the movies, his voice. It sounds like it just yeah. brings it all back. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's yeah. cool. Totally. You know, and um, that was awesome because he, we had set up a thing. We didn't want to make a big deal of it on the show. Yeah. But we had to set up a thing that um, that he was going to call in and do a real interview. And I had a ton of questions, but then he texted and he said he didn't have time. So I didn't get to ask him, like... It's going to be scary to ask him the real questions. I'll ask him, dude. No, but like... Yeah, what happened and how he ended up in prison and crazy like, shit, yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm just saying it's going to be like a little tense. No, I, I can tell he's a tense... Like, he, he'll be fine. Well, he was cool. He's ready to answer it, dude. He's, I mean, he's had a, a tense life and it'll be fine. What was the other thing that, um, that Leah said I was just reminded of about... Um, I can't remember. What, Toodles? No, not about tools. Why is every is, everything to you is toodles? Why, dude? The Dopey Nation loves toodles. The Dopey Nation loves toodles. Yeah, 
They do. Who was that's this? awesome though that he stepped out of the wedding to you know. Wasn't a wedding. He said he was at a wedding in Jersey. He said he was doing business. No, he said he was at a wedding in Jersey. I think he's going. He's on a. He's on a. <laughs> he's on a little mission in Jersey. Uh, he's going to see Tony and the guys. Oh man. Um, what was I thinking? Um, let's see. Twitter, check. Disgusting thing, check. Lilo Brancato called in, check. Oh, Otter. Uh, he didn't write back. Um, uh, let's call um, Nick uh, Reiner. All right, call Nick well, Reiner. We're calling people. Um, check out, try him right now. Yeah. All right, so this is, we're trying to make this a regular feature of the show, but we keep forgetting. So what we do is we call Nick Reiner, son of Rob Reiner. Grandson the, of uh, Carl Reiner. marijuana maintenance program. We don't know what he's things. doing. He's trying to not do heroin and do other When's things. the last time you spoke to Nick? Whenever you spoke to him last. No, I just talked to him. On the phone? No. Alright. I think no answer, voicemail's full. Maybe we should call from my phone. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. Oh my God, Nick Reiner! Nick Reiner picks up the phone. You're on a do- oh dopey episode eighty-three. We didn't think you'd answer. Oh, well, I did because I knew that you'd say that. <laughs> have you heard us calling you on the show yet, Nick? No. What'd you say? It, no, we have this new feature of the show. We call call Nick Reiner. Yeah. And you never answer the phone. So it's funny. And then your voicemail, your voice box is full too, which is even better. So I'm like a reoccurring bit. Yeah, but now you answered the phone. You kind of ruined the whole bit. How are you? That, that, that should earn me something. Yeah. Well, you're, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear you. What? It's good to hear you. It's good to hear from you guys. So what's up? Not a whole lot. I'm, uh, I'm in Los Angeles. How's it going, man? Fill us in. Tell us what's happened since your last appearance on uh, Dopey. I think you'd be upset to hear that uh, I haven't done much. You haven't? Have you done heroin? No. I'm, that I'm I can say. happy to hear I've that. Definitely not done that. I'm or sh- coke. You didn't do coke? No. no I never. Never did, would. Did you sniff Adderall? Uh, no. Did you um, turkey based methamphetamine? Um. No, I didn't do that. Did you drop LSD in your eyes? <laughs> You know what? I almost did. What was that? But I didn't. What was what? the what was the situation? Who had a bottle of the liquid LSD? No, I was just offered it. Oh, okay. I turned it down though because you know you can't make those types of decisions when you're older. You got to learn from your mistakes. Nice. Guess who we just had on the show? Who? Lilo Brancato. You know who that is. Um. Who? From Bronx Tale. He was. He played Cologino in a Bronx Tale. Wow. Yeah. You know that dude? What? You know who we're talking about? I don't. I'm trying to play along. Are you stoned right now? No. He's lying. (laughs) You're fucking lying. Are you lying? Am I lying about what? You smoke weed like Snoop Dogg. You're not, no, that that's that's I can say I do that. Yeah. So are you stoned? Are you are you stoned yeah. right now? Am I smoking this minute? No. Did you smoke in the last, in the last hour? three hours? 
Uh, yeah. Definitely. God bless you. So, so where, where are you right now? Tell me where you're sitting. Tell us all about you it. You know, oddly enough, I'm at the Chateau Marmont. Really? What the hell is that? That's where John Belushi died. Really? That's right. That's also where Led Zeppelin raped a woman with a fish. What? Wow. Yes, it's true. Oh, wow. A lot That's of other hardcore. things went down there. So what are you doing at the Chateau Marmont? Marmont. There's a party here. Who's party? Um, it's a friend. Is it Keith Richards? Deal. Is it Keith Richards? Yeah, it's Keith Richards. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a good party. All right, Nick. I don't... Nick. What? Get, a, get another story in mind, and we'll call you back. We'll have you on your show again, and you should tell a story. No, Nick's doing something interesting right now. Besides the party at the Chateau Marmont, okay. he's, Nick is making a documentary. Can I talk about that, Nick, or no? Yeah, sure. Plug it for me. He's doing this super cool project about his grandfather, comedy legend Carl Reiner, where he's where. Tell us about it. Um, that you pretty you hit the nail on the head. It's like, a, is it a conversation with him? Is it like granddad I stuff? I did an interview with him, and it's also cut with different, you know, various clips. You, you'll see. We're excited. I'm very excited about this because anybody. Like, it's kind of a cool thing, even if your grandfather's not famous, to do an interview with your grandfather. Like, my grandfather was a meat inspector, you know? And if I interviewed yeah. him, he would have been like, you bored? Go bang your head against the wall. <laughs> but he was a funny guy, you know? Um, Nick's grandfather is a comedy legend. Mm. So you have that old-timey grandfather shit, and then you happen to have an incredibly... Uh, best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. So what is it going to be called? Granddad? Um, I don't think it'll be called that, but uh, I'll find a name for it. <laughs> and you, you know what? I'd love to tell Dopey Nation about it when when I do. Is awesome. there is there anything else you might want to tell the Dopey Nation? Um, stay strong, carry on. Right on. Stay strong and toodles. He didn't say toodles. He said carry on. <laughs> and don't do hard drugs. Don't do hard drugs. But smoking weed and drinking is okay with the Nick Reiner school of, of Dopey. <laughs> hey, listen, you guys called me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to talk to you, though. Uh, you did a good job. Let's, let's, let's do this again. Come up with another story, and uh, once the documentary comes out, you can tell I'll a story. I'll come up with another story. Okay. And uh, are you guys going to air this, though? Definitely. Yeah, a couple weeks. Okay. Hell yeah. All right. All right. It's good to talk to you, then. Great to hear you. Wait, if we weren't going to air it, it wasn't good to talk to us? Come again? Well, you were like, if you air it, it was good. To, it doesn't matter. Nick, yeah, we yeah, love you. Shut up. Be well. <laughs> Fuck you, man. We love, love you. you guys. Be well. Send our best to All Keith right. Richards and, and peace. Right. peace out. Later. Yes. Well. I'm surprised he answered. I didn't think he'd answer. What are you going to do? Yeah. He answered. Uh, what's next on the agenda, my friend? So I was walking down the street the other day, and I see this guy wearing a t-shirt, and it's got a king in a toilet okay like a king like a cartoon of a king mm -hmm. in a toilet and it says royal flush on the t-shirt okay can you imagine seeing a t-shirt that has a king flushing himself down the toilet and, and being like I'm gonna buy that I want a royal flush t-shirt yeah that's fucking it's hacky it's just stupid on so many accounts it's just you see so many t-shirts that are interesting yeah can you imagine buying a royal flush t-shirt I would not. And then yesterday, or today, I get off the train. It's nothing to do with Royal Flush. I, um, I get off at Penn Station, 
and I see this ad, okay? It's this woman, okay? She looks like she's high as shit, the most comfortable you could be. She's lying in a hammock, okay? Her butt is in a tub of cool water, and it says... Wait, back up. I was zoning out for a second. It's a woman. What's going on? This is a picture? This is an ad. Okay. I see. Yeah. It's a picture of a woman lying in a hammock with her ass in a, a... a tub of cold water. She looks like she's like having the time of her life, just lying back. Okay. Okay. And um, you're taking a picture of this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, you see. And what's it say? She's lying in a tub it of says, water. It says. Rela- <clears throat> it says relax harder. Okay. Yeah. Relax I like harder. That. I like that. And I see her in the hammock, and I'm thinking, I cannot. Imagine relaxing that hard soberly. Like, she's like, like, listen, I can relax, but I can't relax that hard. No, that's like uh, being on some benzos or something. It was an ad for ginger ale. The next thing you know, she's sipping from a Canada dry. And it's like, I think normal people can relax harder. Because for me to relax that hard, I'd need to be altered. No, I concur. I concur with that. Do you know what I'm saying? Some people think, um, some professionals, scientists, medical people... Medical experts. ...think that addicts suffer from something called reward deficiency syndrome, and it actually means we either have not as much dopamine or not as many receptors for dopamine in our brain, meaning that we can't get the same pleasure out of pleasurable things as other people. And it's still just a theory. They haven't, like, proven that that's actually true. But what an annoying ad. Relax harder. I mean, have you ever really enjoyed a ginger ale that much? I like a good ginger beer now and then. You I never had a ginger beer. Never, it's like a ginger ale times four. What does that mean? It's really intense ginger ale? Oh, and it the, becomes... That's the best way to describe it. It's like you take a sip and you're like, what's spicy? Spicy. <laughs> it's like pure ginger. I like ginger ale, but I don't relax harder with it. But I don't really. I mean, like, dude, I wake up in the morning. I'm out of bed. I'm never. I'm, I don't relax hard at all. I don't relax hard. I relax hard staring at Game of Thrones. That's me relaxing. Yeah, harder. I think I relax harder than you. Yeah. Um, but I still think in the gamut of relaxation, I relax less hard than your normie. I could relax hard in a hot tub. I don't relax hard in hot tubs. I get in there, I'm like, I'm like, start sweating from my face, and I'm like, why am I in here? I like it when you tell a story like that. You start changing my face. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I don't like it. Because that's your you sweating like voice. When oh, you're, that's you, my sweating you, voice. You start talking like that when you're sweating or something. Yeah. Um, I like What would you say tub. was the most relaxing drug you've ever done? Drug combination, drug recollection. Well, it's funny. Most chilling. When we moved to Los, when I moved to Los Angeles, like... And this is, you know, this is just a funny story. Yeah. I moved to Los Angeles. I was, t- I, I was smoking weed. And then, like, I started to find Xanax. And I, conv- and I was living with Todd and Jeremy, who called in the show, the smoking on the plane story. Yeah. And there was the three of us living in the house. And, uh, and I talked them into doing Xanax. And I, and I made them call it... I wouldn't let them call it Xanax. I made them call it Relaxo. <laughs> and I, just because it was so relaxing. And, yeah. I was, and, and they would be like, oh, you want some Relaxo? <laughs> because it felt like I wasn't using Xanax. Yeah. Um, for me, I found, I found Xanax, Clonopin, uh, 
I mean, for me, my most relaxed would be a mixture of heroin, a benzo, and bud. That's pretty relaxing. It's pretty relaxing. That's pretty relaxing. But I'd be happy with just, uh, I find benzos to be unbelievably relaxing. Yeah. You see, benzos, Brendo's brought out a dark, dark side of me. That's, I would get violent. It's like, it would, I, I would get energy and, um. You would get relaxed when you, like, smoke crack. Then no. you'd relax. No, if I, if I. Because I got really paranoid when I'd smoke pot. If I took benzos and smoked pot, I'd probably get pretty relaxed. If I just took benzos plain, I keep taking them and I forget how much I've taken until I black out. Or and then I start drinking, and then I I literally like I think I'm invincible. I don't know how to meter my strength out. Where like I'm very aggressive. You Hold know on, what but I mean? what's the relaxing? What's your relaxing drug? Oh, uh, I'd say benzos mixed with pot is pretty relaxing. But I don't know. I wasn't a relaxer. I was like slamming coke. Like you know what I mean? I was I was someone who went 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 blacked out passed huh. out. You said the other day, as Brian referred to, that if you had a syringe full of coke, yeah. it would be hard not to use it. Yes. What about a syringe full of dope? Mm- uh, I could resist much longer. There isn't that same impulsivity. Like the shooting coke, I've always say my, my my sponsor echoes the same sentiment. It's like a stain on my soul. Where wow. if I just think of that that syringe right now long enough, I can start sweating and have like a full blown craving. If I choose to explore it, if I do that with dope, it doesn't elicit the same response. I don't know why. I, I have to say, I, I would shoot. I would shoot coke out of. Like boredom, yeah, and more than that because I didn't have dope. It's not fun. You know, I, I'm not even saying it's fun. Like I never liked it. I just couldn't not do it. I remember like the times that I would shoot coke was because I had a drug dealer safe in my apartment. Yeah, you told me this with coke in it or something. And, and he gave you coke. You you ordered him to give you stuff or some shit. No, he would give me coke to keep the safe, but I would run it, and I and I, I always would think like I'm out of dope. And I have needles, and everyone says shooting coke, coke is so great. I might as well do that, you know. Yeah. And I, I would shoot it, and I'd feel so uncomfortable, so bad, just so uncomfortable. Should I retell my coke overdose story? One of them. This is like fucking. I've only told it once on the show. This is a hardcore dopey shit. Sure. So uh, I was living with this woman who's 15 years older than me, and my thing back then was I would shoot coke and I jump in the shower. And so I got some shitty coke that had been stomped a lot. And I probably was, like, loading up in the syringe, like, a quarter gram, which is, like, a shit load to shoot, right, of coke. And it was shitty coke. That's why I could put so much in there. And But it was, like, it was like rocked up kind of hard. And I probably ended up shooting close to, like, I don't know, close to, like, a half a gram, like, way too much coke, right? In the one even shot? Was, yeah, even though it was stomped down. You know, even though it was shitty coke. Like in I, the one shot? In the one shot. It was a huge load of coke, right? And it was like, and every time I shot coke, I tried to do basically the most you would you could do without overdosing. That was like my goal. was like, take however much it takes me to seize and do a little bit less than that. So anyways, I'd boot the coke at this point and then I'd get up and I'd, uh, I'd be sitting on my boxers on the toilet. I'd boot the coke. I'd stand up. I'd throw the syringe down. I'd take my boxers off and I'd jump in the shower and the shower would be running. So I'd boot the coke and um, I have a warrant for my arrest also at this time. I'm in my girlfriend's apartment, my ex-girlfriend, and the door's locked. And I go to get in the shower and uh, I open the shower door 
and I just start slamming it, opening it and slamming yeah. it. Like my arms like going seizing out and I'm like, oh like fuck, right? And her bathroom is really small and I start to fall to the left and I go to catch myself against the wall so I don't fall down. And instead of catch myself, I grab with my arm and my arm just projectively opens up and I throw myself from one wall across the room against the other wall and then I fall down seizing. And I start hearing my girlfriend screaming, Chris, Chris, and she's banging on the door. She runs and gets her neighbors. I'm just flying. That was Erica? Just, no, this was uh, Melissa. This is when I was like... Oh, the old one. Yeah. yeah. I was like early 20s. And so she goes and gets the neighbor, this kid. The kid fucking breaks the door down, literally kicks the bathroom door in. I'm flopping like a fish, you know, naked on the ground. And she comes up and it's like, not like overdosing on heroin where you like, you just fall out. You like witness it on coke. It's like very scary, right? And so she's holding my head, right? And I'm looking at her, right? And... Finally, when I stopped seizing, the first thing I said was, don't call the cops. And what I was meant to say was, don't call the ambulance. I was saying, the first thing I could mutter was, don't call the ambulance, because if the ambulance comes, I'm going to get arrested. I have a warrant for my arrest, right? And then the next thing I thought, right after I said that was, I have more Coke on the kitchen, on the um, bathroom counter, and she's going to throw it away. I got to get her out of here and hide it. And within an hour, I was shooting Coke again. Fucked up, right? Yeah, it's classic. Yeah. But I, I still want to go back to the syringe of cocaine here. Yeah. You know, like, after everything that's happened, right? After all the good stuff you talked about. If the about, syringe was sitting here and yeah. you weren't here and I was locked in this room, I wouldn't make it a night. I, I would use it. I'm telling you. There's no chance you would just squirt it out in the sink and be like... Thank God I didn't do that at this point in your I life. I didn't even consider squirting it out in the sink. <laughs> You're not like trapped with this <laughs> syringe. You could pull the plunger out. Guess, you could throw yeah. it out the window. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have to squirt it out right away. But if I couldn't... But couldn't you do that? Yeah, I could squirt it out right away. Can we just talk through this no, for no, a second? No, no, no. I could squirt it. It's to, this is what it is. I, and I have told you this before. Is my favorite part of shooting coke was always I'd draw back and I'd slam the coke and it wasn't the coke hitting me. It was pulling the syringe out, the holding the hole, oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, and it was waiting. And it was that three to four seconds before it hit, that anticipation of knowing. Because it's like heroin hits you, yeah, it's a big deal. Coke hits you, and it's the fucking craziest ride in your life when you slam it. Like, you don't even, it's not fun, but it is the biggest head change that I've ever experienced from any drug ever. More than crack. It's just so unappealing. It's not fun. It's definitely not fun. You know, I shoot it, and I hear police sirens, and I think they're coming to get me. But it's really fucking intense. But what I'm so anyways, talking so, but about. I'm, I'm getting a full circle to what you were saying. So there's that three or four seconds when I hold it, and it's going to hit me, and it's this sort of weird anticipation. And if the coke is in front of me in a syringe sitting there. What I remember is not all that other shit. I remember that anticipation, that weird fucking, like, hope that this is just going to be, like, a most amazing experience ever in my life. And that's what comes back to me. And that's what I think about it, if, if it saw it sitting there. Yes, today, the option to squirt it out, I would have to immediately squirt it out. And I trust my higher power would guide my actions, guide my hand but it's like to even- do that. Even to train your mind a little bit yeah. right now and just be like, I know that if I shoot the coke, it's not going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me. 
It's going to be the same thing. It's like in the book, in the text, it says there comes a period where the only thing between you and your drink is your higher power. And there's also times where you can't sufficiently sufficiently recall the consequences. Like, I believe that. I have built-in forgetters. I have euphoric recall. If I have to rely on my own brain to remember the pain and suffering that's caused by substances, it won't work. What about I know the, you like playing the tape. That doesn't make sense. What about the... Well, forget playing the tape. What yeah. about the promise about recoiling... Like as if it's flame. a hot flame, yeah. That that's that's good too. Like I I I'd hope I would recoil as if it's a hot flame, you know. And the thing is, I, I really. But I, what I'm but I, my point my point is, like we do this show. Yeah. We tell crazy stories. We sometimes reflect on the fun times of using, but mostly we don't. Yeah. You know, mostly we talk about being sober and telling stories about when we were high and our current life and our life. Yeah. You know, and forgive me when I say this, please. I don't think, and and, you know, this, maybe I'm naive, maybe, you know, I just feel, I have faith that you would not shoot the coat at this point in your life. And I think that you hang your hat, your hat on the identity stuff. I couldn't do anything. No, 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 no. I I think that you No, no, no. I, I agree with you on that. And, and part of the reason I said that in the other episode was just to kind of portray an idea of the compulsivity that's behind it. And that that is part of the reason why CA was started. There was a, there was a it was a social thing at first cuz like, you know, the coke addicts in the 80s were rich and they didn't want to associate with the junkies and they started CA, but then they actually noticed that if you go to real CA meeting, they talk about the obsession and the compulsion in a different light as it applies to cocaine cuz it's a different animal. I really believe it's a different animal. Um, you know, it's like it's just a whole different level of, of compulsivity. That's not saying it's worse or harder than heroin. You know what I mean? Heroin fucking numbs the pain, emotional pain, in a whole different way. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I don't want to feel. I'm going to go out. Coke is like, you want to feel the worst ever, but it feels so bad that it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you feel like something. Yeah. It's really feel Something is changing. Yeah, something is changing. It's not like a numbing out. It's but like I a think, different sort of... I, I just think that like with everything that you've been through... No, I agree with you. Yeah, I could resist it. I'd squirt it out, something like that. Yeah. I, I don't think you'd want it. No, I fucking want to live, man. I want to have a fucking life, you know? Yes. I want to go get rejected by somebody else. <laughs> Bust open uh, iTunes Review of the Week. or uh, Let's know. do an iTunes Review of the Week. Please, go on iTunes. Drop us a review. A good review, though. Doesn't fucking matter. Drop us a review. At least five stars. Anything. We don't care. Give it. Give it. A, you know, like, give it a real rating. Just don't put me down in the review. My, I don't put. Don't put Dave down for my sake because I don't want to have to fucking listen to it. You got something to say? <laughs> Chris is. Whenever Chris talks about the needle full of coke and has to defend his compulsivity, he gets. Cuckoo for cocoa. Hey, folks. my brothers out there listening who are IV cocoa. Here we go. I'm not talking about people who sniff go. the powder or even smoke the rock. The IV coke people, it's a unique tribe. And that's why I felt so bad when Scott turned on me. He said he was on Camp Dave. I mean, he was firing up that pharmaceutical coke. All right. You've really you've slipped, and you've <laughs> slipped into the nether region. Uh, okay. This uh, was from 23 hours ago. Title is Binge Listen by Not Afflicted. 
I found this podcast about a week ago and pretty much binge listened to all the episodes. The banter between Chris and Dave is amazing, and you can visualize the insanity. I've learned a lot of random things unrelated to addiction and drugs, and I've laughed at least three times per episode. Some of their stories make me grateful for being a normie, but I'm beginning to understand a different side of addiction. I have friends that probably need some help, and I hope they are listening to Dopey so they won't feel alone. Also, Dave has a great voice, and his music is amazing. I really hope they put the songs up on the website, iTunes, or create a YouTube channel. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. It's great. No toodles? Yeah. Toodles? No toodles. Just stay strong, Dopey Nation. You gotta, you gotta get a hold of yourself, by the way. What's wrong? You just... Listen. You fucking kick me in the stomach, and For then what? you call to I... your IV coke tribe to come and lift you up on their shoulders. King Chris, hey. Camp Chris, we shoot coke, we shoot coke, you're the man, we love coke, yeah, yeah. You want to know something? I don't know if I shared this with you. And the way, I, I, I every gave, day, I gave... I'm depressed, Dave, <laughs> make me feel, I don't, and you say, I don't want to hear you talk, it's like, you're a real kind of... How about, this, How about this? How about this? How about some this? Some kind of jerk off you are. How about this? I uh, told one of my classmates about Dopey, which I rarely do. Yeah. And she listened to it. Yes. And she said, Yes. Your co host is really mean to you. Listen. And she was being 100% authentic. She obviously doesn't understand comedy. <laughs> she doesn't understand the dark comedy of drug addiction, man. What did you say? I said that's just the dynamic. Did I you said you're like, like the battered wife. He means well. He really <laughs> likes me. I just fell down the stairs in the shower. Uh, I felt like a little punk. So that's why you did this whole. See, I think when you that was months ago that happened. Enough. Whoa. Enough. I think like I think we should ban IV coke talk because it's like at a certain. Hey, hour some homie night. emailed us and said. What's it like to shoot coke? Remember that? We have so many emails we haven't responded to. Where we haven't what read about the stuff. disease concept? You don't want to talk a little bit about that? I don't want to get started on that. That's, you want me to go on that whole diatribe? I want you to get, get, get control of yourself. And I just want you to apologize. You don't like it when I get riled up. I'm sorry. What, you know what? Dave has been instrumental in my... Personal. What about five hey, compliments? Good shit. Five personal. compliments yeah, per I'm episode. You, this is a compliment right now. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear it. Enough. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Write a review. Is that it? Yeah, Follow we're done. us on what? On everything. On it, but what is everything? Uh, you can oh, follow. Oh, Reddit. Check it out. We got a Reddit page. Uh, Cormac. Cormac has been hooking it up. But dude, Cormac, what the fuck, man? What do you mean, what the fuck? First of all, the new, did you see the new listing? The new post with the big write-up? It was good. Yeah, he wrote a really long one. What do you mean? Then how new is it? Like, like a couple today. weeks ago. Oh, he like did. I haven't this seen it. week. Yeah, it's wild. He does but that. Thank I'm you so much, Cormac. What I'm surprised. Oh, about. so follow us on Reddit though. Follow us on Reddit. Follow. Yeah, there's like nobody on there. So follow us on Reddit. Chime in. You can put me down. You can ask say, us if you ask us questions. It's a Dave and I, I. I check it every few days. Dave and I will respond personally. So if you ask a question and it's not like an email, like other people on Reddit can see it. It'll be a group. Group thing, you know? Listen. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. But you keep saying you want a community forum. That's Reddit has that. Yeah, we would love to see that. But I think most normal people don't want to do Reddit forums. I really believe the people who use Reddit, and some people will scoff at this, it tends to be like people who are like a little bit more tech savvy. It seems like a pretty smart group of people. So normal people like aren't wanting to do that. Like I, I like look at it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's really easy because I'm such a normal it. person. You just gotta stick with it. But what I'm what I'm surprised about is that Cormac hasn't come up with a dopey theme song yet. 
We just laid the gauntlet six days ago. Was it six days ago? Yeah. Cormac, what were you slacking, homie? Well, we had that one that we played. And so the Dopey theme song challenge is still out there. Send us your songs. I'm going to write a song. I mean, so far... You already did one. Yeah, but I want to win that hoodie. (laughs) I really do. I want you to buy me a Dopey hoodie. Or I guess us to buy me. profits. We don't have any. All 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 of our profits went on Hannah's leg. (laughs) Our whole whole profit system went right onto Hannah's tattoo. Yeah. You know? Anyway, we're done. We're done. All right. So toodles. Follow us. uh, All that shit. You know. Dude, you know what I'm talking about. Twitter, Instagram. Facebook would be nice if you posted something and created the illusion. We've been posting a little bit more. I mean, Instagram, I do. I do it every couple days at the most. You do it like every day. Just about. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles. (laughs) Anything else? No. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be be so good, so bad, so bad, I want to be good, so bad, bad desires all I ever had, and my shadow's getting smaller, smaller, and it's time to where I stand, shadow's getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had